0: Listen to this podcast, you'll be amazed. Play this any morning,
1: any night, any day. We're the winning team, we were born to be brave. Yeah, changing the game through real estate. Rob, Rob's the
2: most enthusiastic person. Well, I, think I wouldn't sure. say I'm the most enthusiastic. But if we're going to kick it off, folks, I mean, we're just going to transition in. So we were just chatting before Larry came in a few minutes ago. Uh, for those who do not know, Larry. Larry is a tax genie, genius, and just awesome all around taxes. I'll let
1: Larry introduce himself a little bit more. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't know where to go with that. Um, <laughs> uh, Larry Pendleton, uh CPA from um, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, born and raised here, um, and been doing taxes myself, dating myself for over a decade. Um, started investing in real estate myself uh, seven years ago now. And then uh, three years ago, one of my mentors slapped me across the head and it was like, I don't know you just only work with real estate, investing in taxes. I was like, that's a good idea. Um, so really converted. The, the firm is called PC Financial Services. Started with my partner, Terryon Conyers, who is a classic contractor in the area. Um, so then, like I said, we just kind of just been helping people, um, along this time and then narrowed our focus down to real estate and with some soul searching, uh, developed, like kind of came up like my mission in life is to help as many people as possible, achieve financial freedom through real estate and taxes. I, I see that as the, um, the, the, that, that path to financial freedom for a lot of people. So, and that's where we are today. Yeah, that's what I see. Like a lot of like business
0: owners, it's like, like I don't know. Like most when people uh, talk, it's like a lot different than what you expect. But most people have like the successful business owners. It's like their mentality is just to serve. Like, hey, my focus is not necessarily money. My focus is, hey, how do I serve as many of people? Because serving as many of people will also make me more successful.
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, money comes and goes, and like I said, it's hard to. You hear about this. Sad, rich people all the the time, but um, with everything that's going on, like in the world and our communities, like okay, there's a lot of people that can need help. Um, So if I can, like, provide that in the best way I can, I can't help all the issues in the world. I can address these particular topics, especially taxes. (laughs) So um, then I say I like that to be my focal point.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry. So when you were younger were you like a math whiz or numbers like your favorite thing, favorite subject in your school?
1: You know, my dad has a story. <laughs> uh, my dad and my mom, I guess at some point when I was six or seven, I said I wanted to be a banker and I guess it all started from there. Um and then yeah, I I enjoyed numbers but the I really didn't know what accounting was. A six-year-old knows what accounting is. <laughs> like your fake
3: little money uh, in the grocery store. Yeah.
1: So I like I said, I, I just knew that my dad worked his ass off, and and every four fifteen, he's talking shit about taxes and either the Washington Redskins at the time. So it was like he was, it was the two things he hated. <laughs> like yeah. Growing up, so. I was like, I can't solve the football issue. I tried, but like the football issue, I can, I can try to solve the tax situation. Um, so that's my I kind of like started to kind of learn more about it, but I really didn't find my passion for it until I had a crush on the county teacher in high school. Oh. Um, didn't work out for obvious reasons. But, but, probably for the best. Yeah, probably, probably for the best. Pretty sure Whitney's listening now. Hey, hey, hey Whitney! That's my like shout out to Whitney. <laughs> um, so, but uh, but it kind of picked up from that, and then going into college with an actual plan of I'm going to be an accounting major. I'm going to learn this, and um, and then kind of develop into how to be more of a, a tax expert along yeah. the way. And then, like I say, started do more audits and whatnot. So, how I now i prepare tax returns but that background is that i prepare taxes as if they're going to be audited because like i said we're taking approaches that most people don't don't really use not saying they're aggressive it's just a lot of people don't know certain real estate strategies and if you're uncertain or the, the, the government doesn't really expect a lot of people to use it, so it's like okay they want to check to see if you get all your t's crossed and i's dotted Always like not a bad thing is just checking on what you already have done well. So unless there's actual screw ups, then we cross that bridge when it comes.
0: Well, they say the IRS is like you know like normal parts in life. It's like you're innocent till proven guilty. The IRS is like you're guilty till proven innocent. Yeah, so. that's a good
1: way to put it. <laughs> I mean, the burden of proof is on the taxpayer itself. Yeah. So like, if you're if, especially like I say if you're um, if you're running a tax business, but then you're you're clocking in. Fifty thousand miles <laughs> a year, okay. Like you're, you're. There's gonna be an obvious red flag. But if you're a real, like if you're a, a realtor, then it may, it may be reasonable. Depending, I, I know. For <laughs> sure. People, like they're driving all, oh, like oh, driving for and all that stuff there. So there are ways to kind of make sure, like, hey, what's reasonable? Because that's the main thing. Is all this reasonable? Does it have to tie to the penny? You want to have as many invoices and receipts as possible. But like I said, you want to make sure that you're not overdoing it from any perspective there. Mm-hmm. So I guess just to jump right into, I always
0: wanted to know this question: like, what is from a CPA's perspective when like politicians and people talk about like tax to rich? What's your thoughts on that? So yeah. I have my own perspective. But I'm curious to what like from your like tax knowledge aspect the point of view. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I think it goes back to rich versus wealthy. Where like rich is that you just have a lot of money, you just made a lot of money. But wealthy, like you, you probably have put systems and, and, and um, plans in place to actually take what made you rich and now made you wealthy and made your family wealthy. From that standpoint, there. So, and what comes with that is an opportunity to um, to take advantage of the tax savings that the government are, is issuing out. So they are taxing the rich, like just ask any athlete, ask, yeah. an, ask, ask any doctor, uh, from that standpoint there, because they're um they they like you're just having these these high incomes they're, they're going to come after you from that standpoint there but what people really want to know is like how do the the trumps and the kiyosaki's of the world kind of <laughs> try to make as much money if not more than anyone else and not and not get that because they're they're wealthy in a way where they're serving the country in a different way where it's like okay they're providing jobs they're providing housing they're, yeah. um There or there are people that are investing into food and energy and water, and those are different tax incentives that the government wants because they don't they want the the private sector to help to help with that. Yeah. They want the the masses to move a certain way, so one way to move the masses, give them a tax incentive. We mm-hmm. need more if you need more people for the workforce, or people need help with, with kids, like give them a child tax credit. If you want people to buy more houses, let them write up their mortgage interest so forth and so forth. Same thing is like say you deal with those type of deductions or like, okay, hey, we need people to provide housing. Okay, Let them potentially write off 10, 20, 35% of the purchase price in year one with certain strategies standpoint there. So, so the tax to rich, I mean, it's always, it's already there. It's just that are you now mentally in a, in a wealth state of mind where it's like you can now Put the team around you and put the system around you, so that you can now uh, uh, structure yourself in a way where, like, you're not seen as rich to the to the to the IRS.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, the one thing that like really like my aha moment when they were talking about like, the four quadrants is like the E B. Um, well, no, it's E or like a self-employed, yeah, yeah, business owner and investor, are you able to like talk to us about like, hey, what's the difference? Like, how much this person gets taxed um, based on the other one? Because I feel like that's the biggest misunderstanding. Like, oh, well, you said this person makes no taxes. Well, technically, that person makes no income, <laughs> like they don't pay any taxes. Yes,
1: yeah. and um, so because I actually have a chart, and and another CPAs see the same thing as well, where if you're looking at the quadrant. So the E on the top left. Your employees, they're at least 30 to 40% of their income being taxed.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, once again, like your employee, you're not serving the country. You're serving your employer. Mm-hmm. So it's your employer's responsibility, like whatever <laughs> person they want to give. So that's where then they can pinpoint how much money that you're actually making. Also, considering in mind that whatever your employer is making or paying you, your employer gets that deduction. Yeah so so that's a prime example there um the s quad and self-employed ends up being somewhat i won't say the worst it just it ends up being a little more detrimental where it's more like 56 percent of your income yeah. because and a lot of people fall into that trap because they want to start side hustle and they're making money and then they didn't realize that as an employee you split your fica taxes with your employer yeah. Now that you are self-employed, you are now considered the employee and the employer. So that full fifteen point three percent of taxes all fall into your net income. Yeah. So you pay that
0: fifteen percent and
1: the uh, and and, and your your marginal tax uh, okay. tax rate as well. So so like it's so you you basically I won't say you're being hit twice. Well you are being hit twice, it's just yeah. like that, no no one's really expecting to hit like I said, but then from there like I said, the difference between self-employed S and big business B is, something is, I won't say simple, but something is straightforward and it's just doing the S corp election for your business. So that, okay, you're now going from being a rich self-employed individual, but now you, you are a wealthy business owner that you're now providing jobs, tax deduction. You're required to pay yourself a salary if you do an S corp election. So now, you now take that 15.3%, so let's just hypothetically say you netted $100,000, you now, like your minimal tax bill is gonna be at least $15,000. Mm-hmm. Now we take that 100,000, you now S Corp, you only pay yourself $30,000, you now reduce your taxes significantly from that standpoint there. So that's why big business owners, they end up somewhere between 20 and 30% of their income being taxed, uh, because at the end of the day, like their, their business is still making money so this depending how they're set up they're still receiving the k-1 and still getting paid so like they're still being taxed in that perspective there and then you have your investors um, which are somewhere falling between zero and ten percent of their income being taxed because a lot of their a lot of their activities are passive they're putting money into places and it's either um, they're not even either receiving it um, or they're receiving a portion of it plus there's these additional deductions and incentives Mm-hmm. Um, that they can write off for investing into certain things like food, water, um, and, and real estate as well.
0: So, how much is the passive income tax rate right now? Like,
1: well, there's no, there's no difference from the passive income. It's just if you're, I guess, well, I guess to really go back, if you're, if, if you're generating passive income, then your income is not subject to self-employment taxes. Okay. Technically, you're not. So it just knocks
0: down the 15%. Yeah, so
1: it's just, it's, not, it's like, so wherever it's just your marginal tax rate is, like that's where it's gonna be hit, but it's not hit that in 15.3%. Oh,
0: so when we, uh, you're talking about between a self-employed and business owner, what, like can anyone technically be a business owner and do an LLC, corp all that stuff? Like when's it smart to like restructure and take that step from self-employed to business owner tax? Yeah. So the
1: main thing from from a tax perspective, because I'm not an attorney, so I can't speak on the legal side. <laughs> of things, If you're just let's just say, like you make you make pillows, um, so you make you make pillows. Like you can make a pillow, with just under your name. Like that's your business. Like Larry Pillows. Like I think yeah. I make these. Um, so so so. But you're you talking that. about
3: structuring it as an LLC. Or no. Doing just,
1: it under just, your just, just under your name. Okay. That's no different than I have Larry Pillows LLC, because your LLC is from, from a tax perspective is a disregard. Any now there's legal um, reasons why you want to be an LLC, right? Um, but but from a tax perspective, you're like you will be t- you'll be taxed the same way whether it's under your personal name or uh, under LLC.
3: And aren't there more tax breaks that you can get when you have an LLC opposed to doing things under your personal name, or is that not true?
1: That's not true. Okay. Now the LLC is a step to more tax deductions, but it doesn't guarantee any tax deductions. Gotcha. So if, once again, I make these pillows <laughs> and these little fluffy things, cost a certain th- certain amount, like that's a tax write-off whether it's in my name or if a person or in the LLC, okay. I still write that off. Same thing with my phone. Like I use my phone for business. It doesn't matter that I still have to track how much time I use for business versus personal. Name, LLC, like I said, doesn't really play a huge difference. Now, when the LLC becomes a step into a bigger, dedu- to a bigger deduction or a bigger tax strategy is that if you're at a certain point where you're not trying to write off everything, you want to show income because you're trying to get loans or you just don't have enough deduction at some point because you have very low overhead. Yeah. Ie a tax business, <laughs> um, so 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 at so at that point you're um, you're now considering if you wanted to do an S corp election there, and once again now from a legal side like the S-Corp, like setting up an S corp doesn't really have much asset protection purposes um, separate from an LLC. It's just that now you want to still be operating as an LLC, but you want to be taxed as an S corp. So now you're separating yourself. From um, from your business,
0: because your LLC can identify as a C corp or S corp, yes.
1: Okay. I just yes. Wanted to one it out there. I mean, because it really is a good point. So you got your LLC, you got your S corp, and you got your C corp. Um, really, it's LLC and corporations, mm-hmm. um, and then you can set up straight as a C corp. But most small business owners like don't really need to be a C corp unless you're about to be a public company or anything like that. Um, that's really for your larger companies, um, but the S corp kind of serves on both worlds, where you can be a you can be either one and be taxed as an S corp. And the general premise is that you want to, even though your LLC may have an EIN, like you're still reporting all that on your personal tax return. Yeah. So you want to separate yourself from it, so that you now become an employee of your of your business. Yeah. So you technically make less less money not technically make less money, but you can still, so that $100,000 example that we talked about earlier, you could still have made that as part of it as a W-2 employee and the other part as distributions to yourself. So you'll still receive a W-2 and you receive a K-1. It's just that now that K-1 isn't gonna be hit with any additional FICA taxes there. Mm-hmm. Same thing, like, cause all that is wrapped up into your, um, to your W-2 or your paycheck that you're paying throughout the month so you're not going to see that huge jump in your total tax in that particular year.
0: Yeah at least for like like self-employed business owner investor at least you can like deduct your expenses because it doesn't seem like there's like any benefits of like to the employee like I know people talk about like going on tax exempt and I'm not even sure what like if that's beneficial or anything like that like <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, 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 I hear the horror story like I went taxes exempt and then I have this huge tax bill and then my response is what were you expecting? you yeah. had yeah, no tax because I, I like the strategy and people a lot of times people get it from the whole Grant Cardone um, where he just tells people like just claim 20 exemptions and don't have any taxes taken out which is cool it's fine. That's that's step one of a bigger strategy. Of you better have an asset to buy that's gonna offset the, the additional income that you that you make from that perspective there. So I said, I think just a lot of times and like I'm, I mean I I watch YouTube videos and, and and all the gurus out there. So like I mean people get. Part of the story or part of the plan was like, okay, but here's the full picture of it. To go tax exempt and not get hit on the back end, there has to be something in the middle. Yeah. Like whether it's you're throwing money into an investment or running a business where it's just a, like you're just kind of starting, also, to get be a lot of startup costs um, with no income coming in, or you're buying real estate and taking advantage of certain deductions there so that you can offset that bill in the back end because that's kind of. They haven't forgot that you went tax exempt on Like they coming on the back end.
0: <laughs> so, you technically can just like, even if you're an employee for business, say, going tax exempt, then you can pay your taxes at the end of the year, and the IRS ain't going right down, right down then...
1: I mean, to come knock and break down my door. I do as long you pay the bill at the end of the year, I mean, I say it just all depends on, Like like, do you want it in, in bite sized chunks, or do you want it in the huge chunk at the end?
3: Well, that's what I was gonna talk about was the the structure, of the pay structure, like quarterly taxes. If you're self-employed, do you have to pay uh, quarterly taxes? Like, they give you little stubs and say, okay, based off last year, what you made, you owe this every quarter. Mm-hmm. And then the real, they'll say, okay, you either get money back or you still owe my money. Or can you just pay at the end of the year, whatever, once your taxes are done?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're set up to do quarterly tax payments, like you're supposed to pay that, but also keep in mind that it's, it's, a, it's the estimate of based on what your what your business is making right. from that standpoint there. So it's, so what you also have to factor in is um, all your deductions, like not just focusing on your income, but the expenses, the mileage, the like everything that's that's kind of that would have been reported on your on your year end tax return. Mm-hmm. You need to be factoring that in your, um, into your into uh, your uh, your quarterly taxes as well. So, it, like I say, let's say yes, it's required, but it's like okay, you may have made ten thousand dollars, doesn't mean you need to estimate taxes on that ten thousand for the quarter. Like, what was your expenses? Right. To factor in as well, or are you going to have an investment? Okay, what's that investment? So we can now factor in what those potential losses are going to be at the end, like throughout the whole year. So. It's just, it's just kind of, it's, it's it's not just looking at it. I tell people there's a there's an ecosystem that comes to your taxes, and like one thing here is going to affect everything else. It's just <laughs> making sure you have it all in place, and there's a lot to juggle, if you're especially if you're a business owner and you're trying to make money, you're trying to reduce expenses, and then you got to deal with taxes, to keep and, you know, stuff coming in the door too, stuff you know? going. So like it's, it's 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 tough to do this. By yourself, yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. I, right. I have help with bookkeeping because, like, at some point, I can't be in the weeds in my own. Like, even though I, I'm an accountant, like, no, I got another one. You're that, gonna work on that, your that, business, that. not in it. Yeah, that, that that general premise there. So yeah, it's um, lots of lot um, lot to factor in. So if you're gonna break it down, like, if, let's say for instance, like,
0: you're uh, you were mil- military man and you were wanting to go tax exempt. How would you structure that part with like going tax exempt and using? the is there any advantage to that and using that taxes you were going to pay trying to find a way to maximize that or yeah so
1: like if once you look at it, i'm gonna go taxes exam i'm gonna get this amount of money per paycheck i can build that up i can buy um i can buy this quad or fourplex or four unit whatever people all over the country so everyone has <laughs> <laughs> different <Loss terminology>, properties. <laughs> different terminologies on how they see a fourplex yeah um and then like hey this is 2022 this is the last year of bones appreciation do i then do a cost segregation study on that drive up drive up depreciation in year one i was managing it or i was doing property management on it so i could prove i'm a real estate professional and um and, and material, material, material participated with the property itself, so that now I have these huge losses. That's now going to offset the tax. I'm going because like, you're going to see the taxes on your tax you just Make sure you, you have the losses to offset them as well, All because right. the, the income doesn't go away. It's still still has to be reported. It's just that you have this offsetting loss from year one of your of your property that's going to play a factor there. You. And then, okay, are you, are you confident to do that again the next year? But for 2023, the whole bonus appreciation phases down to 80%. Is that going to get you enough? Where it's like, okay, I may need to get some withholdings right back in mm-hmm. and kind of, as like I said, it's always going to be ups and downs. Like it's never going to be just a set it and forget it for five years. Like, no, we want to keep adjusting this stuff. Cause the true thing you're attacking is that you have a W2. Like that's the part that's always going to be an issue out of all of it, but that's your main source of income for a lot of people. Which is yeah. fine. Like I said, not saying anything wrong with that. It's just how do we now attack that? How do we now apply other strategies that can one, either increase your income that's less likely to be taxed, or two, increase your income as well as create losses to offset against your W 2? Could
0: uh, can I? <laughs> Can inflation be a loss? Because that's that's wacky right now. <laughs> I mean, they're like what eight? What did they say twenty? Who knows what the inflation rate is right now? That'd
2: be great. Also, well, well, they gave us a three percent pay bump for talking about military guys, It's really <laughs> funny considering the inflation rate that we're seeing. <laughs> yeah. They gave us actually like hundred bucks. They're like, good luck, good
1: riddance. Unfortunately, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, in a way, yes, yeah, because all your other expenses increase with your business. I mean, like, Paying for groceries, then you just that, 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 that loaf of bread just is what it is at this point. So, um, <laughs> or gas, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but me, gas. They say depending on what you writing off your business vehicle, then you yeah. got you got that. Even even bread was like okay. You're buying bread for business lunch. Like it's been nice to have some bread the years. And some, some cheese and whatnot. We'll get some bread and cheese next time for you. We'll keep
3: our receipt and we'll file. It.
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it, it's just well, inflation does play a factor. Where it's like your 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 expenditure increased, but most likely it's going to be offset by the fact that your your, your income is going to increase. You probably increased your prices mm-hmm. because everything else is like. All the all everything's going to go up at that point. So, so yeah, it's like inflation does play a, play a factor um, yeah. with the people's taxes. Yeah, cause I mean,
0: the biggest like hurdle for uh, even for me is like, hey, you make all this income, and then at the end, the end, like the biggest thing holding you back is all the taxes that comes in the end of the year. So, like even okay, so we talked about employee. Like, what's some of the um, advantages you can do for that? So, like self-employed. When you go buy, like for instance, like real estate, what can you write off as like a self-employed person say I'm gonna buy this investment property? You can't just write off the entire um, amount, can you? Like, how does that I'm work like,
1: out? See like shit, but should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. So the, the so the main thing when it comes to real estate is that like you're running a business, so anything that you buy for the business is going to be deductible. Now, the actual building itself becomes rather unique. Um, because, like, yes, you have the insurance, you have the, the the mortgage interest, you have the taxes that you're all going to be, be, be writing off and the, and the repair guys and all the the whatever, bricks and whatever stuff you do on your <laughs> own, like, like, hammers and all that. Like, um,
3: staging yeah, things things like material. Yeah, staging material. I, I don't do any
1: of that stuff. I'm just, I'm just
3: or when your tenant comes and floods your whole place out because they go out of town and leave the bathtub running. Yeah,
1: you gotta get, and, yeah, get that. Yeah, got get get and all that. So all, so all that becomes deductible. Don't mention that to Robbie. <laughs> uh, so plumbing's a little sore subject for A couple <laughs> of his properties.
3: That's
1: a sore <of> subject. We gotta look that. I, yeah, I have some
2: deductions to list for next year.
0: Yeah, same
1: same thing. Like I said, we had to get the the main the main drain and one of the properties in Newport News completely ripped out and of course it was our portion not the city's portion so, so of course yeah, i feel i feel your pain it always it's works pain. out that way right it's just, just like, like you're consistently at that line where it,
2: it just fails
0: like, i'm
3: convinced they on their side of the water they or on the other on their side of the plumbing it's like better plumbing somehow where it's like it never never fails it's, it's probably good, probably. They have it lined with something when they
2: installed it. Yeah. I just so. want to loop back around for people who are just starting off and people in the military who buy houses as they move from different places in PCS over and over to reiterate that an LLC, what exactly, if any, tax advantages does it give you? No. Okay. Just wanted to put that out there because I know that a lot of my friends are like, well, I need to make an LLC. That's why I haven't started. I need to do the company thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I haven't started.
1: Well, interesting. Uh, I believe it was Brandon Hall from Bigger Pocket or Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets that said people throw the LLC out there because it creates it creates a barrier or something that they're scared to do, which is actually start. It's yeah. so like I can't start was... until I got this, and it's like okay, well, you don't need that, and it's like okay, you're just gonna keep layering stuff. Excuses. F- Okay, yeah, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's essentially they needed that to be ruthless. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it is like, I mean, a lot of times because if you don't know, you don't know, but then like once you're, you're, I mean, at this point now, I heard him say that four years ago. So if if people are still using the LLC as a reason why they're not starting. Now, like I say, if you have a property now. You now have liability risk at that point so now we're talking about do you do you need to get that property into the LLC to protect your your personal assets and do some other legal strategies and manage? Because there's umbrellas
3: and stuff like that that you can have without having an LLC to cover you up to you know x amount of millions of dollars so there's ways around it without having an exact LLC formed. Especially for people that live in
1: California because to have an LLC in California gets $800 a year Wow. That you have to pay to their franchise tax board,
2: We're paying like 150, you yeah. like
1: 100 know, yeah, or something. That's yeah, nice. So yeah, you have yeah. you have states like that where, like I said, it, it, it gets, gets it's close. California is the worst. Right? So, and there's some other states there. Like I so it's a couple hundred, four or five hundred dollars. But but yeah, to so have each so like so people are, are hesitant to have an LLC in California, so they use the umbrella umbrella policy to help the fact that like they don't want to counter <laughs> risk. So it also it also depends on okay, how many properties do you want under that one L L C uh, under that one insurance policy?
0: True.
1: Or could you just have multiple properties under that one L L C? Okay, at least the eight hundred is spread out against these number of properties. But then you it's still have and- yeah, but you still have to determine um, how how big is that umbrella so that mean of course you don't want the asset value of those properties to exceed the umbrella policy itself. So it's always like I say, it's, it's it's once again. You have to have the right insurance person. You have to have the right attorney to make sure those things. Like I so said, you can try to legal zoom this is all you want, but I don't know I don't how much that's really working out for people. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people with the whole LLC thing, they think that they
0: have to get an LLC just to start deducting things. Like deducting like rental income or anything like oh well I don't have an LLC and it's like I feel like it's a very big misconception that people have to you have to have an LLC to start writing off stuff for businesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you if, if it's just you and let's just say you are and appreciate sure y'all making money on this podcast I, I, got, I got a fancy setup.
3: <laughs> um,
1: I'm sure yes. losing a lot. I okay. <laughs> that might get deduction but let's just say that your business was like doing podcasts and doing content and whatnot there even if you don't like you had to buy all this stuff that that we're that we're looking at like and so if it's just you under your personal name then like do you have to like even if you don't have an EIN number like the aspect of the business is still in like it's still gonna show up in your tax return yeah.
3: you use your social security number right yeah, you use your social security yeah.
1: number Point. And then if you do have LLC, then you'll put the your Social Security number in there, but I mean your EIN number in there for LLC. But it doesn't really change the fact that you bought this microphone. Either like, way, if you yeah, have it set up, you can still yeah, write you, it off. Yeah, you still have stuff. Still, I think a lot of people also are, are fearful that, like, one that what you just said, two, they're just kind of claiming losses um, without LLC, and then they're going to be hit with considered as a hobby but like that's either if you, that's, that's that happens no matter what if you have an LOC or not so if you're just claiming loss after loss after loss and not showing any um, progression of actually running a profitable business then then you're going to get hit with that uh, that potential label by the IRS that so you're just running a hobby you're not really running a profitable business or trying to run a profitable business uh so like I said that, that doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help with that either what if you're just really bad at it <laughs> Yeah, like I said it's still it's still kind of running <laughs> to that same boat of like hey like it's if you're whether you're bad or good and and like I said there's scenarios where like they spent a whole bunch of money in marketing and, and it's just been five, six years just potential losses Okay, at some point like, <laughs> like it has to turn over yeah. for the better or just to get, get rid of at some point there so like I say but then again like I said you just kind of put yourself in a situation at that point so for some uh, free free
0: legal tax tax advice uh, what um exactly (laughs) what exactly can you write off let's say I go buy a rental property you can't write off the down payment you can write off the expenses for title and all that stuff what exactly can you write off
1: so on your settlement statement or hud or closing documents because i I keep hearing people just have different terminology for these things (laughs) so yes you just can't take like hey i had the like I had to come to closing with $30,000. Like you just can't write that off because a lot of that goes into the basis, the cost basis of the building. Um, and what I mean by that is that- uh, Like
3: the down payment
1: or? So like the title, um, any the, the loan costs associated with it, any taxes paid um, and all that there. So all of that, all that stuff that shows up on that those first two pages all gets all that gets broken out on your tax return in a particular way, yeah. um, more often than not. Um, and I and I say the I say the basis because it leads into the fact that you can you can you can recover the cost of the building over a certain period of time, yeah. and that's where you get into depreciation. Um, and depreciation is basically hey government recognizes it and tear the habits it for building, um, also to incentivize people to buy investment properties to right now to fix up and all that um, they'll let you recover the cost of the building over a certain period of time mm-hmm. so those title costs those um, those loan origination fees they want to so much like all of that goes into the basis either for the building or for the loan cost itself so you so even though you, you eventually get to write it off you don't get to write it off right away now there are some things like prepaid insurance, prepaid interest, um, prepaid taxes. If you're doing that, then those are separated from the basis of the building, and then you can actually write those off in year one. But so, it, t- it takes an actual breakdown of the HUD one, of the HUD to actually to understand that. So a lot of people are
0: like all big about house hacking. They talk about like guy from Brain and all that stuff. Um, are you able to go back? and start, okay, well, I've lived in this house for a year, then I'm using it as a rental property. Can I go back and try to deduct the original?
1: Uh, you can try to mend your, because uh, I mean, really it really still is all about intent. So if the intent was to eventually rent it out. Because if you say
0: so I might have to go back like four or five years. <laughs> 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 but four or five years, got some deductions going <laughs> back there.
1: So, but also keep in mind that the, the, the valuation of because let's say you didn't use it the first two three years um, as a rental and then year four you did. So the valuation of the property is larger than what you bought it for four or four years ago. So what you're trying to make up is going to be made up in this new valuation because now you're starting off we don't go back into the, the sales price of the property and then try to determine what the cost basis is. You go what the cost basis is as of today with the land broken out because you can't depreciate land, um, you can deplete it when you drill for oil, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. Um, so, so yes, now that you have the basis as of today and when I say at a a larger value, so like you're somewhat making up for that, um, when you start renting it out. You're talking about
0: deducting the, the building. You mentioned that a couple months ago you were talking about this is the last year to 100% right off like you said cost that you're getting or that's what you mentioned earlier right mm-hmm. what what is that and how can people take advantage of that for this very last
1: year yeah so cost segregation and the best way i can think of it is that like i'm, I'm a big guy you big big max don't you yeah you just think of a big man it <laughs> <That laughs> <Make> me hungry <laughs> yeah you, know, you think about the song too all more of a things. chick-fil-a person but that's right. oh. Well, we love the. and yeah, that's, that's a good point, but let's, let's go with Big Mac because there's a song, oh, and we all know, it's all beef patties, extra soft and cheese, pickles, onions. And they set them see, you know the song? I know the beef. I wish I did, but I did. now I've learned oh more from goodness. this conversation. We're all going to be on YouTube after this. Oh I was like, what is this guy
3: talking about? Are
1: y'all really that young than me? Jeez. Yeah, look at that. So there's a there's a song for the McDonald's business. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the '90s, so that that's probably a piece of it there. So, and the reason why I, I like it is because the song breaks out every component of the burger itself, similar to your 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 the, the property that you're buying. So, the the burger itself, let's just say it costs five dollars. Whatever, I don't really know the cost. Um, but but not everything in that component, like everything that makes up that burger, is what goes into that cost. The bun costs something. The the actual patties, the cheese, everything has its own particular price point to it. Similar to a building, like there's a roof, there's windows, there's carpet, there may be um, ceiling fans,
3: kitchens, baths.
1: Yeah. So even deeper than that, you have the flooring for the kitchen. You have uh, the plumbing in the in the kitchen as well, and all the bathrooms. So. What the cost segregation does similar to the big money Day, it takes all the components of the building itself and it breaks it into different categories because if you just take the the cost basis of the building and just plop it on your tax return you have to depreciate that over 27 and a half years mm-hmm. um which is still let's say you're still getting a non-cash deduction which is still great but you have five-year property in there, you have seven-year property, you have 15-year property in there. So if you're not careful, like you're, you're automatically like losing out on tax deductions because you haven't taken the next step to maximize the, the tax savings within your building. So once you get the cost segregation study done and you have, let's just say there's 27, uh, five and 15-year property, let's just say there's three components. So you already are depreciating um, I won't say two thirds. Overall, let's just say it's 30% of the building is going to be five and 15 year property. So you're already depreciating at a faster rate than 27 and a half years. Yeah. So, and that's nice. we haven't even gotten to bones. We we're talking about just accelerated depreciation because you have stuff in the property components. Now, with the 2017 tax changes, that's what I tell people if it was just from a different planet and you just dropped into the United States in 2017, 2018, like you'd be hard pressed to not think that the president was some type of real estate person. Right. Because it was already a lot of tax benefits for real estate investors. He just poured fuel to the fire that was already burning pretty hot already. So with that um, 2017 tax changes, they allow for anything depreciates less than 20 years to be fully depreciated in year one of acquisition. So in that example we just gave, so we just said 30% is going to depreciate at a faster rate. We can now say that 30% can just be completely written off or fully depreciated in year one. So that's a huge deduction when you're saying 30% of your purchase price. Yeah. Has now now just been uh, depreciated from there. I can't say really expense because their depreciation captured, but like I said we can yeah. cover that down the road but at least up front you get this huge tax write-off um for just acquiring so like i say if you aren't able to house hack or or take a property that you just moved in and then you're and then you had to move out quick but you want to rent it out or buy an apartment building whatever you're able to now potentially see some losses on your tax return to offset your w-2 another income as well yeah, it definitely changed from like that
0: perspective to now they wanna do like
1: unrecognized
0: capital gains. <laughs> I was like, oh, now they can do that. That's just gonna cripple everything.
1: Well, it's, 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 been, it's so they were trying to push, they've been trying to push like taxing unrealized gains. So like, oh. with, so like with your stock, like I said, you, you, like you, you're checking your stock and it's going up and down and by yeah. the end of the year it's, it's up, let's just say 20%, whatever, that, I know that's great, but I just just throwing out a number. Okay. Um. But you didn't receive that money. You just got this nice thick packet from Merrill Lynch or Fidelity saying yes. that your your account is up twenty percent. It was like great. I'm gonna put it over here because I don't really can't really do anything with it. So they're trying to tax you on that increase. So would that also apply if my property, yeah. let's say, it gets appraisal every
2: year, and let's say, for example, one of them went up fifty grand. I'm gonna get taxed on that fifty grand that I haven't even pulled out yet.
1: And that's part of what they're what the backlash that they're getting is that you're trying to tax people on something that they have not received.
3: Yeah. That's not real. Firm.
1: But if but if I do let's say let's say they
2: tax me on it and two months after they tax me on it I pull the money out do I get taxed now on those actual gains after I got taxed on the almost actual gains? Well the gains sure it
1: but the days. gains that you're talking about is really more for um you when you pull the money out you're just talking about from like a cash out refinance well, well, or he
2: might, stock, let's say the stock goes up 50 grand and then I get taxed on that on real life gains and then I take it out. Am I gonna get taxed again? Potentially, yes. Well, oh oh, oh, I think, I think the reason they're doing it,
0: it is because they see Elon making a difference. They're like, oh, this guy's 200 something billion dollars. So let's cut him, cut that 20% <laughs> before
1: he even sells it. Just take it off. Yeah, so like I say, it's is in because the other side of it is that marketing actually go the opposite way as well and be down 20% are you going to get the, the realized loss yeah. on the <laughs> talent so so and but then they kind of get into and you know like with, with stocks unless you're professionals like stock trader or day trader you only get $3,000 loss so like they're probably you know try to cap it from that standpoint so like I said, there's a lot of still speculations a lot of back and forth as of most things like they'll throw something out there just to see what the reaction would be, and then they'll get flooded with email, losing <laughs> calls of like, "This makes no sense. What y'all doing?" And like, they, and they'll try to find a, a happy medium uh, yeah. to go from there. So, but yeah, that's, that's that there that has been multiple talks. <laughs> do you uh do
0: you try to try to stay up date with all like the speculation, what they're saying, they're about, about to do it for taxes and all that stuff? Because I heard this is this is the internet setting so this it's true. Um. I heard like in California, they're trying to make a, a massive tax on like if you sell the property within like a couple years, because I guess they're trying to limit, uh, sorry, Alexis, uh, flippers. <laughs> Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, so they're
1: trying because because typically the flips would six, eight months is typically the normal timeline for flips. So yes, ma'am.
3: I mean, for, that's for a pretty big flip. I mean, maybe from like the time when you buy it to when rehabbing and selling it, if yeah, it's over. It could
1: be quicker, yeah. but it's, it's less than 12 months. Absolutely. So then that's all subject to what it's called just all short-term capital gain. Really, it's just your ordinary uh, marginal tax rate at, at that point. So, and then people typically like the whole, for at least a year, they want to do the tax savings. And then like, then they'll, they'll get the benefit of long-term capital gains, which, which is only zero, 15 or 20%. Uh, from there a lot of people typically fall into the 15% range um, from from that standpoint. So what they're trying to to do or what's been dis- I won't trying to what's been discussed is that don't break your heart now. I'm coming <laughs> to California
3: as long as it's not Virginia I'm okay. It's more
1: of like hey let's let's let's, let's there's a lot of people who are just holding properties for for just a little over a year to get the long term. Capital gains rates and check and, that box. Yeah, so, they, so they're so like let's let let's, let's, at some point they can't re- they, they can't really go after people who had properties for over a certain amount of time. So so yeah, like I said, it's been it's been talks or something like that. I'm not sure how much tread um, that that will get, um, but like I said, a lot of times it's just it's it's a, it's a lot of talk. Well, <laughs> with all the money that they've
0: flooded into the market now they're gonna have to want that money back. You see like taxes going up a lot in the next couple of years and be gentle, but uh, how much do
1: you think? <laughs> but no, it's, well, it's kind of hard to say how much taxes will go up. Um, Cause they talked about eliminating the, the corporate tax rate or increasing that, whereas like I said, 21% now, they're talking about increasing, it used to be 30, uh are talking top of talking about what it was, it used to be 37%. Talk about increasing that. Uh, they talked about um, eliminating um, people being able to self-direct funds. Like um, self directed to that, yeah. So. They, they they talked about that. That got a lot. Of, that got a lot of pushback, and they ended up uh, removing that off the off the uh, off the chopping block. um uh, are trying to well. get they're trying to get the little guy. They're trying to screw the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot of that going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what else? Like I say, it's, it's always something. I mean, plus they're, they're pumping with eighty million dollars into the IRS. So, with that, the the assumption is, which a lot of people think is, is, is going to be more audits. Mm-hmm. So, really, they're just going to kind of go after more people to kind of get like, hey, oh, the find people, find people like, hey, you, you didn't you got you got support for this or. Your expenses are extremely high here, so like I said, it kind of goes back to as long as your records are fine and you're recording reasonable numbers, then it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But, yeah. but like I said, they're they're, they're finding different ways where, like I said, they they gonna have to make a lot of that money back. Yeah. Okay. I could it's- ask
2: about what your opinion is on how the tax laws will change, given the new governor of Virginia.
1: Ooh, it's, it's always there's never it's never a, like what what Trump did in seventeen like you don't see massive changes like that um, and and if something does change with any state or president or governor or president or, or whatever like it's always gonna be year two year three um, from that standpoint and typically there's rumblings of what this stuff may may end up coming. Uh, coming up that, so nothing's really sharing that that I've heard um, at, at, at this point from a from a tax perspective. Um, but like I said it is. I forget how many months he is it, he's in now, but it, it's it's tough, especially how more and more divided the two sides are. That stuff is just slower to get through, um, and all the kind of depends on the lobbyists that they end up. Uh, probing along the way as well. Right. <laughs> okay, so so at the state level with
2: government, you're not really going to see too much of a change in the amount of time that they have in office unless they have continuous terms? Yes. Okay. Understood.
3: So, going with, when, since we're a real estate podcast, how would you explain 1031 tax exchange?
1: Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly? I mean, this really is the what was it? four greenhouses in a real hotel, or or is it or the other color, I meant to cut that back off. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically, if you are just following the game board and like you're, you, you, you pick up a house on, on, on Baltic and you pick up another house on that same Baltic square, and then at some point you can trade it in um, to something larger that's gonna yield more income. Uh, and that's really, the, that's probably that's my way of explaining 1031s so from okay. from so from from a tax perspective you're saying that we're going to bring in um uh we're going we're going to bring Tyler who's our custodian here like I, like we're like he's he because the thing with ten thirty ones is that you cannot touch the money you cannot benefit from the sale of your property at okay. all um so what you're saying is like the sale is going to go to Tyler 1031 whatever LLC <laughs> from that from that standpoint. And it has, and there's certain companies that can there's actual um, companies that specialize in 1031 exchanges. Um, from that standpoint there, and then um, there's a certain like the and then the value of the next property that you have to be trading up like you have to cover like all the gains that you will have received from the sell of your property has to be eaten up by the purchase of the new property. Okay. If not, it's Like, whatever else is left over is considered booked, and then then you're taxed on that. Okay, Um, but say
3: you had a single family portfolio of 50 houses that you sold for 1.5 million, and you wanted to go buy multi family, is that something that would qualify for that? Yeah, and so if you sold it for 1.5 and the multi family was 2 million, you would benefit all the tax benefits from that, correct? Because it's 500 or yeah, 500,000 more than the previous property,
1: correct? Yes. Okay. Because what you're saying is, is that you're, you're now pushing all of your, of your gains into this new property here. So opposed to
3: receiving 50% tax on it, you'd be taxed none at all? You're not
1: tax any of your gains. Okay. Because there technically wouldn't be any gains right. on the sale on the of the property itself. And then any, and like I said, it's called like-kind of exchange. So you can do land for a house or a house for, um, for uh, apartment, because for mobile park, because all considered uh, real residential property okay. uh, from that standpoint there. But now, because I know you're more into the to the flip side of things, you can't do it for a flip property, right? Because flip properties are considered inventory. Yep, it's no different than our pillow business. we talk about we're just selling pillows. You just sell is just selling you're just selling houses at that point your intent of your property is to sell it which makes it inventory right which is tracked completely different from your rental properties so you in and, and 1031 don't do not work for um, uh, work work for those type of properties and you get three to one right three properties into one big one you can do as many properties as you want the you main, can do like
0: 20 1031 all those into one
1: yeah Really? Yeah, I have a client and he did, he's in Georgia. He did 12, I think it was 12. Dang. He did 12 properties to buy uh, one apartment building in, in Tennessee.
0: That had to be like a, because you have to have a 45-day identification period. Right. Right? Yeah. It'd be hard to get them to all sell.
1: Yeah, so, he's, so you're trying to tax. Portfolio, you can sell as a portfolio. Yeah, you can sell as a portfolio. Like, said so he's, I forgot where, uh, the, the property's all in Georgia. So they were like 20, like he bought for 20, 30,000 each from that standpoint, like, like man, this, is, yeah. <laughs> just, this is maybe it's about is how cheap the properties are. So him able to kind of find something large enough to cover the valuation of all of those properties yeah. uh, wasn't, wasn't that difficult for him. Yeah. I, think he, I think he went through the process of he actually found the property first and then he went through the process of packaging up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more like kind of a personal relationship he had with the, uh, with the owner. So it was like, he had time to, hey, let me get this all ordered. Let me get the 1031 company involved and all of that. So that all the documents are typed already get the property identified. So the whole 180 day window um, wasn't, wasn't gonna be an issue for him. Yeah, I know
0: uh, I was talking to a girl at our resolve meetup. And she said that I guess sometimes like the ten thirty one exchange like the cost of that can be somewhat expensive, so it might not even be worth uh, worth that. How much are like ten thirty one exchanges that usually cost to
1: get a custodian to do that? It depends on the the property, how many properties, the size of the property. Um, is it a percentage,
3: basically? It could be a
1: percentage. It could be a flat fee. depending on the custodians that you're that yeah. you're that you're working with. Um, because also, because the premise is that you don't want to recognize the gains. So, cause there's, there's multiple ways we can discuss all the different ways offset it, but we'll just, we'll just go over three. So we have, if you have a rental property and you've been unable to claim the losses on the rental property because you're not a real estate professional or you make too much money. Um, so you, so you're, you're capped at how much of those losses you can offset against your W-2 active income from there. So, so you have all those losses built up. Now, when you sell the property, all those losses now become active, and they offset the gain from the sale of that property. So you may have enough losses to offset the gain, yeah. built-up losses, I should say, which is called suspended and rolled forward um, from there. Then you have the 1031 where you're saying all the gains are kind of wrapped into the purchase of this next property. So you have that aspect of it. And then you have the cost segregation strategy of you you sell the property, you have this gain on your books, you buy the new property, you get the cost segregation, you drive up your depreciation, which is gonna lead into your losses. And you have those losses to offset the gain from your property. And there's other methods, like I said, but those are three of the main ones that those that investors are using.
0: Nick, you uh, mentioned Ago, you're talking about being a real estate professional. I know there's some tax advantage for being a real estate pro- professional. Do you have to make a certain amount of money? Like what classifies it a real estate professional for tax purposes?
1: Yeah, so real estate professional is really based on time commitment into into real estate, as well as in comparison to um, other businesses or work that you're doing as well. So the criteria typically is, is more than this, is Everyone here's about 750 hours, mm-hmm. but you you at least have to work 750 hours in a real property trader business that that you own at least five percent of. So I run a I run a real estate tax business, but I'm not dealing with the real property itself. So mm-hmm. those hours of my business does not count, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but obviously her hours with flipping houses and staging and stuff you do on, on cabinets and all that all that still <laughs> becomes a uh work <laughs> yeah you, you, yeah so all those hours would count but then there's also the more than half your work time in that real property trader business so that and that part really what trips people up is because if you have a full-time job it's tough for you to prove that you work more than half your time in a real property trade or business because the average person works with two thousand if they do 40 hours a week, 2018 hours or something like that, 2020 hours? Yeah. A year? Emphasize average. Yeah, average. So if you're just just working the bare minimum, let's just say 2000, let's keep it even. Let's just say 2000, now you're going to tell the government that you were 2001 hours in your real property trader business. So that's 4,000 hours of work in a year, weekends, holidays. Man, nice. you, you may or may not have kids, nights. So, like, okay, you may not have a strong enough case. <laughs> easy, 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 I got
0: that, <laughs> we don't stop. I, how, do you, how do you prove that, though? Like, uh, it's like, kind of, I don't like, little well, time charge, just clock
1: in. Yeah, I mean, similar to what you, what we talked about at the very beginning, like, the burden of proof is on you. So, part like, because like, real estate status is probably one of the most highly, like, audited, um, uh, tax items in the tax tax items and tax codes up because how easily manipulatively can be made. Yeah, because you're just saying I put hours here, so they want to see your time log. Yeah, so like you're having to track them whether you're using a time clock or spreadsheet. Can You just show them your social
3: media and be like, look at all
1: my videos. <laughs> it, it, I guess if you have a, that's a lot of posting though.
3: <laughs> right?
1: So so feels yeah. that way.
2: <laughs> it doesn't have to be in one aspect let's say i've got an investment company i'm also a realtor and uh, well taxes wouldn't qualify for it but let's say i have a construction company if i only have 300 at one 300 at the other 300 other,
1: does that count as 900 hours yes okay so like construction deconstruction property management leasing basically anything dealing with the bu- the building itself um like i said um uh, acquisitions, like you're actually selling property to a lot of your realtors and all of that. Um, But like, brokers, but actual, like, the not the mortgage brokers, but the brokers of the property. Um, So like, say it doesn't have to be 750 in just one, it can be a combination of them all. Okay. But then there's also material participation, which is the other side of it there. Once you prove that, that, okay, that you're actively involved. Do you have, um, do you have, are you actively involved with your own properties? Mm-hmm. Cause, cause the losses are really coming from your rentals. So you can be an agent, um, have all the hours, have more than half your work time, but you don't have any properties. Or if you do have properties, you're a passive investor in the syndication and you're getting those losses but you're not actively involved with your own property itself. So those laws will still remain passive and limited based off your your income. So a lot of people talk about the real estate professional status It's not talked about enough as the material participation with your own real property. So what if, like, do they take an in income
0: for consideration you're like, okay, well, if this person only makes like $4,000 as a real estate professional, he's really not that Either he's
1: not good as a real estate professional, or no, this to judge you it's like, you're like you, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, but it's you're like not, it's, you're not a good real estate professional, but you are a real estate professional. <laughs> I'm
0: saying like, what well, if this person has uh, tons of real estate income, and let's say they have a, a, a job, and would that be like be able to say, like, okay, well, maybe he does work all those hours to make all that real estate money like
1: no because real estate especially rental real estate is considered per se passive mm-hmm. to the IRS so like they see it as a way where like a lot of money could be made and you're not really actively involved mm-hmm. with it so so no so they, they don't really take into account uh like dollars Now like if you want to build your case then that's a whole nother situation where like okay you're trying to prove that that they're trying to challenge your hours or you're trying to Trying to stack it up with more stuff, you can, but they're, they're not taking too much account into that.
0: Um.
1: So, um, yeah. Have- no, c- c- carry um, on. So, that.
0: I have a question. So, now that gas has gotten even more expensive, do they allow even more deductions or not? Because like, I know it's like bottom-out, right? Yeah, like 56,
1: 57, mm-hmm. which is, uh, somewhere 56 to so you can run cents. off your
3: mileage or your gas. You can't run off both,
1: right? Right, but you always have to track your mileage. Okay. So whether you're doing the standard mileage deduction or you're doing actual costs, um, which include depreciation on your vehicle, you have to track your mileage in a way to prove that you're using your, your vehicle for business purposes. What's a good way to do it? Just like, hey, just screenshot every time I, get I have faster.
3: a There's an app you can download. and Some of them auto-populate, where every time you get in your car, it'll track mileage for you. But I just set my speedometer every day I go to work, and then, it at the end of the day, and then reset it every morning. And it has an app where I just out at the end of the year. Well, if you have too many uh, apps on your phone, can you just uh, screenshot?
1: <laughs> I mean, some people still use spreadsheets and Google Docs to kind of track where they they're what, where, where they going. Some people use pen and yeah. paper. Uh, no QuickBooks has a tracker, which I guess is another app on onto itself. So. I mean, there's there's multiple because like I said I have one I think I use Stride. Like I said hurdle. really more just me remembering to cut it on to yeah. <laughs> where I'm going. Systems. Yeah, yeah the app's <laughs> yeah. great, and you press
2: generate PDF or generate S CSV or whatever they need for the text. Yeah, and you just got it right there, and I throw it over to Larry via email, and I'm good to go. Mine's
3: like ten pages long I'm just like mileage, and it auto-populates, it totals everything for you, and it's really easy. It's a, the hardest part is remembering to
2: log
1: it, honestly. Yeah, yeah maybe I should. Know. So if is I was the, money. No, mine's
2: no. free. I was, I if if I wanted to scale my business for real estate, in what avenue would I receive to, I guess the most tax benefits? If I was going in buildings, if I was going in single family, does not matter how many employees I have? What is the
1: kind of a the fast track to tax freedom? <laughs> Um, the, the fast track is to generate as much passive income as possible so I mean that's because that's going to put you in, in, in the boat of like you're, you're, you're making income in these areas you, you may be uh, access to additional deductions as well but you're also freeing up your time as well uh, where a lot of times is if, you, if you're just kind of I think a lot of stress people have with taxes is that they, they work so many hours and then they turn around and have to pay all this money back for all these hours that they worked. Um, so there's nothing wrong with paying taxes, like this is how this, this old country company built in more ways than one. Uh, but, it's, it, but it's also that, 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 that premise of, if, if you're not overly stressed with how much time is used, then okay, you made all this passive income, but it was all passive. And you had to pay taxes on that. But then, like, we'll create some strategy to help offset that from that standpoint. There, so you're, I know you're a tax
0: expert, you also invest in real estate. Uh, what opportunities are you looking at for investing wise?
1: It's now just cheaper to build. Um, so I mean, at, at this point, because the market's always shifting, it's always going to be. I don't believe there's a down market, it's just it just doesn't make sense to do a lot of buy and renovate at this point because people are selling it at, yeah. at, at crazy, at crazy prices now. So like I said, if we can find the plots of land then then like I said, we'll, like I said, we'll find those opportunities and build upon those there. So we're working on a couple of at, at the moment. Um, so they build to rent. Yeah. Build to rent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So build to rent, build a, like, I said, it's just all about the type of finance we can get per, like um, per lot at that point. Hmm. Um, I always keep hearing
0: the saying like they feel like the Grand Cardone says it all the time. He says he thinks the uh, the U.S. is headed toward like a renter nation, but they say um, uh, own nothing and be happy. That's what they said. The uh, the future head is like the, the new generations
2: or whatever. Millennials? Yeah well I think what's the millennials? Gen Z. Gen Z. Z, uh, Alpha whatever it is. There's another Uh, one? Yeah so it's (laughs) now we're at alpha generation or something
3: like that.
2: Oh they can't be alphas. They made that that generation one something like that. (laughs) They came up with that name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh that's why I hear like the trends going is like most people like uh, the younger generation they don't care about like like owning real estate or any aspect they just like they just think like everything's gonna
3: be like simple. Regular, yeah. They want someone else to fix it if it's broken, and it is know.
2: simpler for that. But it's, not when
3: it comes to retirement. Not not
2: when it comes financially
3: or tax benefits,
1: things like that. Do you do you think we're headed toward a recession? I think most likely. I mean, is 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 bound to happen. Like, like I said, it's just it's part of the the, the system that yeah. we that we're in. So. To, to not see one again maybe like, would be shocking uh, to say the least. is just how you're how you're impacted by it, really.
0: Yeah, I think a, a recession is technically classified as like a uh, like a two quarter downturn. is technically so it's only like it's a, a half a year downturn is considered mm-hmm. a recession. I think that's not even that much. Like two to I think two to six quarters, like that. That's mm-hmm. not even that much. And that's where like
1: where you invest that becomes critical because. I try to invest for need like everyone needs a place to, to live at and until they do something with the tax code everyone's going to need their taxes done or <laughs> strategize from that standpoint yeah. there so it's just kind of where i like to invest my dollars and my time at um for the time being so i don't i don't really get too much in the stocks. and i'm kind of behind the eight ball on that <laughs> and crypto and all that all that good stuff so like i said until it actually becomes a like or show trends of becoming a need then like I said, that's what I try to focus on.
0: So you don't know anything about like crypto uh, taxes and how that
1: works? Nope, I stay, yeah. I stay, I, I stay, I stay, stay in my lane I'm over here. If you're a real estate yeah. investor,
3: agent,
1: yeah. builder, contact, wait
3: for CPA, he's the you, if, you, if you're
1: making money in crypto, like don't call me. <laughs> Unless you're going to give me advice. don't <laughs> yeah. <Then> call me. <laughs> Not gonna buy any like NFTs off
0: to the, uh, the internet, of this like- The metaverse? Uh, yeah, all those, one of the board apes. Like oh, that. if we could afford four four days. Days right now, that'd be
2: sweet. Yeah. Anyone got about eight hundred thousand dollars to drop on a picture?
3: Yeah. Sure. Why not? We know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wow. I'll raise capital for, me for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think uh, I'm really glad, like I had the opportunity to meet you because we met originally at uh, our Resolve meetup. How, how did y'all, uh, you and Rob? Uh, I met. I met Larry at a Think meetup. Yeah.
1: yeah through, uh, Mel. Oh, what through Mel.
2: Through yeah, through Mel and through Sean. Okay. I think that a little combination too because Mel brought me to think and then Sean the you came in and I was like, oh, that's the guy everyone's talking about for taxes.
3: See his name blasted on Facebook everywhere. Who do you use for your real estate CPA? Larry Pendleton.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, when
0: is the next Resolve meeting?
3: So next Resolve meeting will be May 19th. It's a Thursday at 6.30 p.m. in Brewery.
1: Yeah, You got it? What was the date? (laughs) May May 19th. Check your schedule and let us know. We try to keep them on Thursdays. I'm
0: joking because I actually can't come. You can, can, you you can't. know? that's
2: okay.
3: Well, Larry, is there anywhere else we can find um, anything more about you, like your social media websites?
1: Nope. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm on Twitter. I don't really. I don't think I may have retweeted something. TikTok. No, no, no TikTok. Don't don't have any dances. Oh man. Um, we gotta get you doing some like oogie
3: boogie dancing with tax strategy.
1: I just don't need it. And, like, it's like weird, like people the box shows up here and the person's like pointing this way. It's like, so bad. Like like ah like, oh, like that's just it's just not me. So uh but yeah, like I said, I mean I'm happy to like chat up and uh meet whoever. Like I yeah. said, uh, my all my social contact information is, is uh is, is there to be shared, so I get texts and emails all the time. I get phone calls, but I don't, I don't recognize numbers. I don't answer yeah. numbers I don't recognize. So, it's so best, text best to leave a voicemail. It, it's best to leave text or leave a voicemail because I will watch the phone ring and not answer because I don't have the number saved. So that's okay. just, it's just me. Um, but yeah, like I said, appreciate the opportunity to come in and add value and see all the nice setup here. The fancy <laughs> couch and pillows and stuff. So Larry Pillow. I'm
0: gonna put it on shirt. Looking to it. <laughs> so, but
3: thank you so much for giving us the time today, and we really appreciate all the knowledge you bestowed upon us. Thank you,
0: yep. thank you. Yep. Boom. And clap uh, again. But uh, speaking of our resolve meetup, we actually so I met Larry the, um, through the resolve meetup. I met Rob through the Resilient. I met Tyler through the
3: podcast. I was like one of the first people we've interviewed, and then I introduced you guys. Rob and I met on Bigger Pockets.
2: Yeah, I was annoyed that there weren't very many meetups. I realized you can't really advertise them very well on anywhere, and pretty much only people care about Bigger Pockets. So you try to post it and just take it down.
3: They said we were gonna overrun their forum, so they removed our first post that had like fifty or sixty comments on it.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. And 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 they kept on growing. Like a year later, they're like, "Sorry, we had to take it down." I'm like, "What?" It wasn't
3: even a year later. I think it was a couple months after, because we've just known each other for like a year now. Oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: I I do not realize how long
0: it took. I know. We did a
3: lot in a year.
0: (laughs) I found my CPA through the meetup. I met found both my partners through the meetup. I met uh, found my property manager through the meetup. Yeah. And my line of credit through my business line of credit through the meetup.
3: I've met some so, wholesalers that have come and yeah. made a lot of I've made friends. We've kind of established like a little family resolve's not just like a real estate meetup, it's really a family and a great network. So, so. lots lots of fun people come and see us. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs>